This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Good evening. It is Kenny and Heilprin. Zach is back. Zach, I missed you. It is a pleasure. You say that with a smile, and I know you don't mean it, but I'm glad to be what back. What do you mean? I'm glad to be back. I'm horribly, horribly sad that I missed what was the most eventful week in Wisconsin football in at least the last decade. Uh, it really, really sucked uh, being sick. Really, really sucked. And I really was upset that I missed uh, Jacob Pedersen. Yeah. Jacob Pedersen on uh, Thursday night at Monk's. <laughs> but not much uh, else I can say about that. My understanding way. is you handled everything fantastic and uh, did a great job, and I appreciate it. And now I'm back. Well, I, I'm smiling because I'm happy. I'm happy you have returned. I think the listeners definitely are happy you're back. It's not only me talking into the microphone for that time. But, yeah, it was an interesting week. Turned into a fun weekend, a successful weekend for the Badgers. They were out Northwestern, 42-7. to Zach, are the Badgers back? <laughs> back against a very, very bad Northwestern team. But, again, very good Wisconsin teams have gone down to Northwestern and not did what that team did. So uh, it's always been a house of horrors for Wisconsin. I think getting away from that 11 a.m. start certainly helped. Uh, you get shadows on the field. I've never seen shadows on the field at, uh, in Evanston uh, for a Badger game. So that was interesting. But are they back? They've kept their season alive for another, ye- another week. I think that is as far as I'm willing to go. Positive Ben has come out a bit since Saturday mm. and has just read the standings in the Big Ten West and <laughs> read the uh, the teams Wisconsin still has to play. And we'll, we're going to get into the Northwestern game. But yes, they took care of business, keeping the season alive. I think that is a very good way to put it because Illinois is up top and they need to lose twice if the Badgers are going to win the division. But the team does play the rest of the teams there. So they still have a lot of power to rise and still have a shot at least to win the West. If what we saw on Saturday continues, what do we see? 42 to seven, a a trouncing of a very bad. I don't think I can say that enough. A a very bad Northwestern football team at pretty much every level. Badgers, 515 total yards, three turnovers forced, and they did not turn the ball over. The team was 10 of 14 on third down, 10.7 yards per pass attempt. 5.1 yards per carry first two drives. They came out hot 8.2 yards per play on those drives. I mean, it was an offensive clinic. And for me, my biggest thought while watching the game and mainly in the first half, when everything was a little more scripted, especially to the start. And you wondered how they would come out after what had gone on during the week. The team was pretty much perfectly organized. Like I watched that first half. There weren't uh, too many men on the field. There weren't blown looks. There weren't pre-snap penalties. They looked buttoned up and perfectly organized. And with Jim Leonard now as head coach with Bobby Ingram coming down from the booth onto the sideline. I, I was really impressed that for day one of Jim Leonard as head coach during a game day, they took care of business in every way. And I have to like, I was expecting some snafus at least a little bit. Maybe they get punched in the face and it isn't clean all the way through. But from the start, that was just a domination. So flying colors for it's, Leonard's first test. It, it's funny. It makes you wonder what Paul Chris was doing on game day, right? I, that, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, well, I will say offensively, and we can get to that. I mean, there were some offensive looks that we haven't seen, and questions can be asked, but they're unanswerable questions. It's yeah. not something we'll ever know. No. Uh, well, I mean, Bobby Ingram did talk today about some of that, and we'll, you said we'll get to it, so I'll bring that up when – when we do, but 
in terms of the, the that was kind of what we were looking for. I, I remember talking about it last week. What are you looking for in this game? Do you know? And Jim Jim Leonard said it. Play clean football, and they did for the most part. No sacks, no turnovers. The penalties there were five, and uh, a couple of false starts or not false starts. Uh, uh, jumps in you know offsides on the defense that kind of gave Northwestern first downs at least once. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I mean you had the missed field goal. That is pretty much what went wrong for Wisconsin. Everything else, everything else that they put out and set out to get done. They got done both on, on on both sides of the ball. I don't think they were overly dominant on defense by any stretch, but they got turnovers and they made plays when they needed to. And the offense was, um, I don't want to say unstoppable, but hard to stop. Very hard to stop. Uh, a lot of guys running open, but a lot of plays being made too. Um, and against man coverage, that I don't necessarily think we'd seen a ton of this year. Guys, guys winning their one-on-one battles and, and them actually coming out on top. So clean game, I think, is what we're looking for. And they more than did that. Let's talk about the offense. Graham Mertz, 20 of 29, 299 yards, five touchdowns. Braylon Allen, 195 rushing yards. He throws that touchdown out of the Wildcat from the start. And people make a lot of the passing on first down thing. And that's not what I want to focus on. It's they came out and the offensive line dominated from the start. But most importantly, a lot of the looks they gave on offense, whether they were play action, RPO, everything they did worked. And everything, as I said, was very buttoned up and clean. And there were some looks in that offense uh, scheme-wise and personnel-wise, formation-wise, that we haven't seen yet this season. And pretty much every single thing they did, definitely at the start of that game, to build the big lead, worked. So, I mean, Bobby Ingram, Jim Leonard, uh, the guys creating the game plan, uh, 100% A-plus coming out of that. But I, I don't know. When I look at this team, it's like, what is their identity? What are they really good at? To me right now, when they're succeeding, it's passing the football. Right. Yeah. Like, again, and Kiss said this earlier today, like Braylon Allen had 135 yards, but it wasn't like it was like a eye-opening 135 yards. There weren't like a, outside of like the 33-yard run that he had, I think on the, was that the first drive that he had that he broke away for the, yes. broke some tackles and got free. Um, there weren't a lot of, a ton of big plays from him. It's, it felt like he was still searching a little bit. Right now, I think they are a, and I know it's crazy to say, they are a better passing team when Graham Mertz gets protected. If the offensive line is going to play like they did there on Saturday and give him time to, to look around and find playmakers, which he has a plenty, they're going to be in a good spot. And it's kind of crazy, but I think there's a very good chance this can be the first year that they end up with more passing yards than rushing yards since 2015. And you think back to 2015, that was a really, really young offensive line, and they didn't have a feature back. You know, um, Corey Clement was hurt. Dario Gumbawale was essentially, you know, it was him and Taiwan Deal and Alec Ingold, freshman Alec Ingold, having to play a running back. Like, that was the type of team that they were dealing with. It's not like they had great playmakers on the outside. Now they did have the all-time winningest quarterback under center. But th- th- there's a good chance that this is the first year that that happens. Do you know where they are right now when it comes to that? In terms I could of go find it. In yards, terms of in ter- yards. I mean, they're over 200 yards passing, which is something that has rarely, rarely happened at Wisconsin. Um, the last 30 years, I probably could say Russell Wilson in 2011, Joel Stavi in 2015. But other than that, um, there, there haven't been a lot of those those instances. Jack Cohn in 2019. What, what did he have? 200.1. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Screw that. But but that that team, obviously, Jonathan, they had more rushing yards than they did passing yards. Yes. This team, I don't know if is is going to get there, and I don't necessarily think that's a horrible thing. Uh, I think that they have the ability to pass the ball over the place. In 2015, it was a necessity. In this year, I don't think it's as much a necessity as it's it's something that really, really works. And they did it in a bunch of different ways 
on Saturday. Some of it was under center. Some of it was play action. Some of it was shotgun. Some of it was pistol. Like some of it was RPO. Like they just, they did it in a whole bunch of different ways. And I think that's probably has to be as exciting as anything, specifically the pistol, because that was something they hadn't broken out to this point this year and the extensive use of play action. They had 10, and again, the stat is just insane to me. They had 10 play action passes. Graham Mertz had uh, on Saturday at 10 of them. He had nine the entire season going in. Like that's just, that stat blows me away. So a lot of really exciting things from the offense, I think. The pistol gets me going. Yeah, does it? When Wisconsin lines up in the pistol, just uh, the juices start flowing. I feel like <laughs> more so than other formations. That's uh, that's an interesting uh, thought. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't. Why is that? Well, just uh, they were good at it in 2019. I don't know. You could get very multiple out of it, but as you said, it all comes down to what they did up front. The offensive line, a uh, line formation that we hadn't seen with some shakeup there. I believe. Yeah. Jack definitely. Nelson, Bordellini at left guard, Tipman at center. Fertney at right guard and Wedig at right tackle were the yeah. guys that started. Different That's, different group for the f- fifth time in six games. Um, and then you also had the jumbo tight end, big Logan Brown coming in there as the, as the jumbo tight end. That's fun. I think it's extremely fun because it means he doesn't necessarily have to pass block. He just goes, he can just go out there and, and run block and, and roll through guys. Like and that. run routes. At some point, yes, for sure. <laughs> but like, I think that's that's what he's best at right now is is just getting into guys and moving them. And uh, that is a perfect like like place to use him. If you're not going to use him at right tackle, use him at tight end and, and use some of his athleticism and use some of his, I don't want to call it nastiness because I don't think anybody will ever call him a nasty guy. But, um, you know, use some of that. He, he likes, he's a little bit of a road grader when it comes to blocking. Uh, run blocking that is yeah and they were terrific up front you mentioned it Mertz wasn't really touched even when he was hurried one of the things that impressed me the most was uh, it all comes down to whether you can succeed in the base of what you do which is running and also uh, whatever passing concepts you do at the start but then as the game goes on and different teams make adjustments let's say when Northwestern brought pressure Graham Mertz off schedule Graham Mertz on the run he was throwing dimes. Not all of them were completed, but a lot of them were confidently made. I, We always compare it to last year. I, and I mean, it's kind of undeniable at this point. Strides had been made. But last year, whenever it would get off schedule, you would think the eyes would go down. A play wouldn't be made once things break down in there. He was he was throwing touchdown passes. He was rolling out. He was avoiding defenders and the defenders aren't that good. But the signs of that, the signs of the playmaking ability and the trust downfield to know guys when, again, it gets off schedule, can go run and get open, that was also very, very encouraging. I think the fact that he's not, like, looking to run in those situations is, is a huge stride. Like, that, that was something, and it's not that he wasn't, isn't capable of doing it, but keeping his eyes downfield and knowing that, especially late, and he tried to do it against Illinois, and it obviously ended in disaster with the interception, but... Um, Against Northwestern, he hit, he found guys that were wide open and guys made plays except for Skylar Bell dropping the one on the sideline. Otherwise, the guys that, he, you know, when he was making extra, uh, what, they, what is it called? Um, extending the play and, and allowing his guys to do second reaction stuff, it uh, usually turned out pretty positive. So that's, I mean, that's, that's big. That's I big think to back to Washington State and also the opener, when you mentioned it, when things would break down, he had some success with his legs. 
and he was decisive at least in that decision to go and run instead of try to stay in there and force something down the field. But yeah, the fact they're at least getting more multiple in some ways there. I mean, the big question when we move forward, when I ask the general question, is Wisconsin back? I wouldn't say like they are or back to, let's say the expectations at the start of the year. They have to rip off a couple wins in a row here, really get into striking range, I would say, in the West with a little bit of help. But the big question is when you face a real front and when you face a real defense and the team gets punched in the mouth, at least offensively, like we've seen this year, does it still work? Right. Are you still able to string together quality plays? It's not even quality drives. It's like within a drive. They've even had, you know, a great play here, a solid one there, and then one that's a backbreaker. And then now you're playing behind the eight ball and the defense is kind of left out to dry. You mentioned uh, Jack Cohn earlier, kind of your guy. Some would say. Some would say. Uh, Do you know where Graham Mortz would be in terms of pass efficiency right now in the all-time record book at Wisconsin If, if for this season? It's only six games. Get another six games, perhaps, and obviously they're hoping for more. But where where would he be? You think second? No. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson's top. Yeah. Scott Tolzien's second. Third. Third. Wow. Ahead of your guy Jack Cohn in 2019. I know it helps to throw five touchdowns and have no interceptions, uh, and all of a sudden put himself at 13 touchdowns and five interceptions. I mean, you're at eight and five going into that game and he just goes and puts now it's 13 to five that's kind of we're nearing Hornybrook range of 25 and 10 where the touchdowns are plentiful but the interceptions also are but we'll see again as the season goes along I mean if I want to look at it optimistically which I have been this week I'm trying to get myself to be uh, to buy in more uh, to maybe what Jim Leonard can do with this team while still keeping realistic in terms of what I expect like all the teams and the rest of the schedule, or most of them, in terms of where they were preseason in our thoughts, have dropped at least a little bit. Iowa especially, that's offensively. Michigan State, who we'll talk about, they play them this weekend. Secondary, ravaged by injuries. They just got shredded by Ohio State. Wisconsin, seven and a half point favorites on the road there. Uh, I, Purdue has kind of been what we expected, and I'll give an apology for that. They've been winning more than I thought they would, and they have more of a chance. Part of that is maybe Wisconsin taking steps backward. Uh, Maryland has been impressive, but still it's like it, that end of the season schedule, Nebraska is kind of a disaster. It's not necessarily what we thought it maybe was when the season started. So when we talk about, okay, when they face real defenses, how many of them will they really face down the stretch? We've got Iowa, Iowa, Minnesota, yep. Purdue, yeah, Maryland, maybe Purdue. Their defense has played well enough. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's more real than Northwestern, no doubt, but sure. it's not It's not a gauntlet there at the end of the season. And nope. I guess, unlike normal Wisconsin teams where you look at it, you say, okay, if they can run the ball and they can play a great defense and the quarterback does enough, can they win? With this team, when I look forward, the reason I feel great about the Michigan State game is because if they play a poor defense and a poor passing defense especially, I think that's when this team can thrive. It is. I will also say, I mean, there's a little bit of concern, and a lot of these stats may have come early in the season. Uh, with Michigan State's pass rush, um, they haven't been as good as they have been lately. I mean, they are they are averaging nearly two and a half sacks a game. Um, again, I think they had I want to say they had eight in the opener, um, so that that number maybe skewed a little bit. But they are offensively and defensively. I think it's legitimately to say a horrible team at this point. They're in a really tough place. I mean, they can't run the ball. No, I mean Jalen Berger after they had, they had a couple of good games to start the year. 
And since then, I think Jalen Berger had like five carries for eight yards or eight carries for five yards against Michigan State, like he or against uh, Ohio State. He hasn't been anywhere close to what it was at the beginning of the season. Uh, and, and just the running game in general hasn't. And they're dealing with some injuries there for sure. Uh, but they, Peyton Thorne hasn't been anywhere close to what he to what he was. And that defense has been downright horrible since Michael Penix destroyed it in Washington at, at uh, in Washington. So, and what have we learned also as time has gone on about Washington? They're not as tremendous as we maybe thought during that win. Right. So, yeah, I, it's one of those things with this team now. Can you actually build momentum from this game? Because I believe truly there is offensive momentum where there's definitely more belief in that room after what Illinois did. But can you build team-wide momentum after all of the turmoil and all the adversity you faced to go on? And that comes with stacking wins. So it's a good thing, a huge thing, that this Michigan State team is not legit because – in college football and sports in general, as long as you're still alive and you still have a chance, there's no doubt going to be more fight there and more belief. As soon as you fall back, like we have seen in the past with certain teams in the Big Ten West, <clears throat> Nebraska, things become a bit of a disaster as that fall continues. So uh, great stuff. 42 to seven. Again, the Badgers beat Northwestern on Saturday. There's a lot more from this game. We're going to get into as this show goes along the defense. Three turnovers. Uh, Northwestern moved the ball a bit through the air, but we'll talk about them. There are big injury uh, updates to note as we move forward throughout the rest of the season. Uh, And what does all this mean? Jim Leonard was the head coach. What does all this mean going forward for this team in the grand scheme of the Big Ten West and maybe even for Leonard going forward as head coach at this football program? That is Zach Heilprin. I am Ben Kenny. Uh, there's a podcast up. You can always hit that up. There's a lot of stuff from last week. Paul Chris getting fired. If you still want to delve and live in that world, I guess not move on to the win that they had on Saturday, but find that on Twitter at Kenny underscore high podcast up always after the show. We have a lot more when we return. This is Kenny and high on the Wisconsin sports zone network. Welcome back, Kenny and Kyle Prin. The Badgers are three and three. Uh, Zach, they did not jump back up into the AP poll, believe it or not. How is. I'm not a fan of Illinois. That is. And I know we'll talk about it later. That was the ugliest nine to six game I've ever seen in my entire life. It was. I, Even I have, for nine to six games, it was ugly. I've never been more happy about how I spent a Saturday night. That was awesome. We'll talk about it. That is a bad, we'll get to it. That's a bad offense without Tommy DeVito. <laughs> he should be he should be Big Ten Player of the Year. If CJ Stroud wasn't in the conference, Tommy DeVito should be Big Ten Player of the Year just based on that offense with him in it, with him out it. That's a good take. That's the old Carmelo MVP take. When if you take Carmelo off of the Knicks, they suck. When even with him, they're okay, but they're really bad without him. That's that's the Tommy DeVito take. I yeah, I Art, like that. Arter Sikowski is horrible oh it did disastrous I, mean, I didn't even know he was still there like how is he even still there after i, that, I believe after... it's art actually if that adds anything it's to Arthur. It. yeah but i think people call him art i don't care i'm calling him Arthur. <laughs> all right uh you know but... he almost he uh, wisconsin recruited him i did not know that coming out of coming out of high school because he, he was a florida kid ended up at obviously uh Rutgers and then um transferred to illinois but yes, when when ahead. bottom of the barrel big 10 teams just turn corner quarterbacks over to each other. Uh, I don't know. It's an interesting sight. I feel like he's been around forever. So Wisconsin wins. Uh, I want to get to the defense in a second. You mentioned the offensive line is not fully healthy. I mean, 
the fingers are crossed that they find some consistency up there. But when they play that well on Saturday, I guess it's a true they need to deliver for me to believe fully in the line being good situation. I don't know what the alignment looks like. I can't come here and say, oh, I want this guy here and that guy there. It's at Michigan State, as you mentioned, uh, kid Jacoby Winman they got from UNLV. Five and a half sacks this season, five forced fumbles, a lot of them from early in the year, but they still have some pass rushers there uh, next to their absolute sieve of a secondary. So uh, it's going to be somewhat of a test, at least to protect Mertz on passing downs. What do you think about the Wildcat? Where do you where do you stand on the Wildcat? Never been a huge fan of it. Um, still not a huge fan of it. But it was amazing to see. I I haven't been outwardly like opponent against. Like I haven't been outwardly vocal about how much I dislike it because I'm not like that passionate about it. I'm not as passionate about it as all the people in my mentions normally are. Um, <laughs> and they were very very passionate about it on Saturday, especially when it ended a drive. I think like it was third and two and ran it and Braylon made a horrible read and went outside instead of up the middle and against um, Illinois. No, against Northwestern. Oh, there was one. Yes. Early in the game. Yeah. There was one bad one against Illinois when I, when I was still at the game before I, I left that game early. I couldn't take that game anymore. I was but sick. So, I mean, I, I left it early as well. There was a third and three there with Allen and the wildcat as well. And it didn't work. And we're right. all just like, come on. Yeah. I, um, when it works, it's it's a great call. When it doesn't, why are you running this stupid thing? But that's the same thing with anything in life, um, as uh, uh, I've been told. Um, I, it was amazing that it worked for that touchdown, though, because the people that were just so adamant against it and hated it and just had to be had to just sit there and be like, "Well, crap." Yeah, I mean, it was a play, like. There's the old saying, and with Chimray DK, there's another example, and I'm going to allow you to take a somewhat victory lap there, but you want the ball in the hands of your best players and best playmakers. Do I always want Braylon Allen throwing the football? No. Do I always want Braylon Allen and Jackson Ecker next to him and knowing that they're just going to power forward? No. Like, I'll come out, like, I am anti-Wildcat. I want that made clear. But I'm not anti enough to say take it out of the playbook. I just, when it's out there, I kind of roll my eyes. And then if it works, I applaud. I I am with many of the, I'm with you. I'm with, I'm sure some of the people that listen and are in your mentions where I don't like it at all, but I can't argue with it because when everything is working, like it was on Saturday, then what the hell else are we going to do? Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, that's terrible. I just, well, I think they have some more things like. I think they have some more things they want to use it, uh, the ways to use it. We've seen them use it a little bit, right? More ways. Right? I, That's I know. scary. That's, I know. Is but Logan like, Brown taking snaps? Wasn't it? I mean, they. it was the what, jet sweep or reverse, whatever you want to call it, that he handed it off, off on. Well, back in like 2019 when Aaron Cruikshank was back there, they did a lot of jet sweep kind of stuff. Like the yeah. Rose Bowl game, I remember vividly. Well, they used to do more out of it. Uh <laughs> I don't know if they did a ton of it after the fumble at Minnesota that he had, which was just a horrible, horrible play by him. Yes. Um, in, in what was still a game at the time. Uh, Eric Cruikshank was electric back there. Like this, Braylon Allen ain't electric back there. Uh, this is, I mean, it's, you're not going to get a ton of big plays out of it. Yet that passing play, Ches Malusi wasn't even supposed to be out there. Like someone called like it was his third read. No, it wasn't. Ches Malusi <laughs> was a blocker. Like that's all he was supposed to be. There was only like a, there was only one person or maybe two people running a route. Ches Malusi was not running a route. He just got, he just saw Braylon just chilling back there. So he went out and was like sh- waving his hand, like 
this to try and try and get the ball his way, and he made a play out of it, which is great. Do you know who the first read was on that play? I don't. I believe it was dynamic receiver Keontes Lewis, big part of the passing game. Somehow uh, his leg is not destroyed. That was crazy. Yeah, I you get taken off on a cart one week. Apparently, someone told me he came back, was walking on the sideline. Again, I missed the second half of the Illinois game because I was getting sick. Um, but he apparently came back out and was like walking up and down the sideline after that. I didn't see that. But um, that's it's crazy to me that he not just was playing, but playing as much as he did. Like I thought Jim Leonard was messing around, but Jim Leonard's not messing around with with uh, with injuries. He's telling you the truth. No, shout out to – can I give you a moment here? Shout out to Jim Leonard. Shout out to the still not complete, but more complete than it used to be injury report. Ask and, him a question about a guy, and you're going to get an answer that you actually can run with. And I said that on the podcast. Uh, I believe the second one I did last week about what to expect in the Jim Leonard era and how we should view the rest of the season. I don't mean this to be a knock on Paul Christ. Like, it was what he was. He operated it as he thought best or as he wanted to. Don't mean this as a knock, but I still will take some enjoyment of getting real answers about players. Well, that 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 is part of it. And, I, and maybe Jim Leonard will change as he gets more jaded. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, like gets more into it and he learns that maybe it's not the best thing to give out information. But I'm not going to tell him to stop because I, I think it's great. We got a whole bunch of updates on on guys this week that were that we hadn't really heard about and, and hadn't really heard of. So. Just because we had known that, you know, yeah, he's getting he's getting close, uh, or he's not close. That was pretty much what you would get from Paul Chris when you're asking for those kind of injury updates. But love it from Jim Leonard, and it's not just injury updates. He's been obviously a huge breath of fresh air in, in press conferences and in actually learning about the team um, with, with legitimate answers. And again, that that's just not who Paul Chris was, and that's fine. We'll get to the injuries as he as he told us. It's not my problem. Yeah, I I wish I had that up on the drop board, but the problem with those drops is still they take a little too long to develop in order to just this throw them quick, in there this on is radio. A quick variant. This is a, I'll have to get it for you. It's very quick. <laughs> it's not problem. It's not my problem. I do have it saved somewhere. It's it's fallen through the cracks. Mm. The last thing on the Wildcat, just my public service announcement to the people that are with it, that are against it. I really think my gut tells me there's going to be one moment where be careful what you wish for if you really want to see more and you want to see Braylon Allen throw it more and run it. You mentioned the Crookshank fumble. Just be careful what you wish for. Like, I trust the ball in Graham Mertz's hands, fumble-wise, a little more so than I do others, uh, and Braylon Allen with the ball handling. Can't play, I, can't play scared. I just feel like there's going to be one moment late in the season where we're going to be, ugh, why is that happening? Yeah. And I hope I'm wrong. I I hope it works for the rest of the year. People, but. People have all the, I mean, all the Twitter stuff, to go back and point to like, Hey, I was against it this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what people use their bookmarks for. Let's talk about the injuries quick. Mm. Uh, and the defense as well. Uh, Ch- uh, Malusi, excuse me, goes out. And I also missed when he went out and apparently it's something rather significant. Number one, my first thought is this sucks. Like this dude has played really well when he's been on the field uh, since he's gotten to Wisconsin yet. He's been plagued by injury. He, he, tears his knee up last season. Now he has a wrist injury. And I mean, he's a big part of the offense. Like Braylon Allen, again, we know what he is as RB1, but to have Malusi also come in there and somewhat of a change of pace brings some dynamic ability off the bench, if you will, and and adds another dimension to this offense. That injury sucks. And I like Isaac Arendo a lot. I, the more you put the ball in his hands, the more it can happen. I just, 
My only thought was it just it sucks. It does. Uh, I mean, he had 56 touches. I shouldn't say 56 touches. Uh, 58 touches over six games. So he's getting the ball, you know, almost 10 times a game for a team that doesn't necessarily run a ton of plays. That's a pretty significant contributor. Um, second leading rusher, and uh, obviously used quite a bit in the <laughs> in the Wildcat. So maybe that goes away. Uh, no, kidding. It's not going to. It's going to be Isaac Rendo back there. Uh, but no, this uh, this offers up more potential for Isaac Rendo, more big plays. As, as steady as Chez was, Isaac has that ability to take it 80 yards anytime he touches it. And also we get to, we, as a group of Wisconsin, uh, or people that cover Wisconsin, people that talk about Wisconsin, people that uh, root for Wisconsin as they, people listening to this, get to wonder about Julius Davis again. Ah. And, whether, and whether this is the opportunity for Julius Davis to make an impact and whether he can step up and be given an opportunity to step into that role as Isaac Arendo or, you know, maybe more, maybe, maybe he's more of the Ches Malusi and Isaac Arendo continues in the role that he has. I don't know. I'm slightly surprised. He's still there. Honestly, like yeah. I, so when Paul Chris gets fired, my first reaction or one of the early ones was, okay, if Jim Leonard is able to come in and win a lot of games, then you would expect a lot of guys to stay around but when coaches get fired, normally you see a lot of guys go to the portal. That roster turnover is real. Deacon Hill, a backup quarterback, announced yesterday or the day before that he would be entering the portal. I, I mean, it just seems like a guy that would. So, And pleasantly surprised. Like If the Badgers need him and he's playing well, that would be awesome. I was a little bit surprised when... Not that that news didn't come down, but as we move forward. I don't know. Yeah, I'd like to uh, take this time... Yes, yes, Zach, please. To offer up an apology or a mea culpa. I was wrong. Um, (laughs) When we talk about horrible takes in the realm of Wisconsin football and we talk about horrible takes in the realm of my career, claiming Deacon Hill (laughs) would at some point be the starting quarterback at Wisconsin may go down as my Mona Lisa. It may go down as my best yet um, because it's up there. And, you know, there's some other competitors this year. The defense being on the same level as last year's is right up there. Vito Calvaruso, was not notably. Was not necessarily my take. I kind of jumped on Jesse uh, Temple's take of being drunk on his leg strength. Um, but I, I'm certainly big fan of Vito and thought he was going to be uh, a major. I thought he would be the kicker this year. But those pale in comparison hmm. to Deacon Hill not just not being a starting quarterback, Wisconsin, never throwing a pass in his Wisconsin career. Um, it's as bad as it gets. And this is all I'm going to say about it. I'm never going to talk about it again. But I was wrong. And I'm okay with that. God, I hope he transfers somewhere in the Big Ten. And then somehow becomes a good quarterback. UCLA. When UCLA becomes in, comes into the Big Ten, he'll be their, he'll be their quarterback. That'd be interesting. I don't know if I he, should have said Big Ten starting quarterback, and then when he came in and was starting quarterback for UCLA, I don't know if he fits the Chip Kelly mold. Uh, they wanted him badly when he when he was coming out. Yeah, because uh, uh, his sister went there. I so believe. you mentioned the defense not being on the level as last year's. Which oh, we're gonna we're gonna dive into this, huh? To this point, You're just killing it me. is not. No, I don't mean I. It's explainable. It, the take was wrong. Yet maybe it's more of a question of time. Like, maybe it will be by the end of the year. But 
we talk about how impressive the offense was and how really flawless plan wise, execution wise, explosiveness. You could take a victory lap when it comes to Chimray DK. Like that's not a performance we see from uh, really anybody that isn't a true out, uh, top alpha dog there. Defensively though, like they give up seven points. They had a couple timely turnovers to stop Northwestern drives. Northwestern moved the ball a bit on them throughout the game. And a lot of that passing because Wisconsin got up big early. Evan Hull, the big piece of Northwestern's offense, averaged 1.3 yards per carry and really just didn't carry the ball running-wise at all. I don't know. Like, it's it's a good defensive performance. It's nothing to write home about. Again, Northwestern moved the ball were it not for some big plays and timely moments. You might have seen some more points on that side. I don't know. I, I'm not all the way in on the defense, and they were playing with uh, two backups if you want to go by who has started throughout this season it was a i don't know c plus b minus yeah it was a game it was it was good enough it was good enough they made the big plays when they needed to they made plays on the goal line uh <laughs> pat fitzgerald was given uh, a little bit of uh you deserve what you get for kicking that field goal at the end of the first half um instead of going for it when you're down 28 to nothing Go for it. That's the only way you're getting back in this game. And instead, he kicks the field goal, and it's wide left. He deserves that. That's a little bit of karma, I would say. Can we do that for a second? That was the most comical field goal attempt I have ever seen. And I've seen a lot of bad ones. The old wave the white flag down 42 nothing field goal in the fourth quarter is close. But those field goals are on fourth and two at the 20, where maybe your team is struggling that much where you can't score. They had fourth and goal or third and goal from the three. Yeah. With two seconds left in the half, down twenty-eight to nothing, with no po- like no chance of winning the game if that isn't a touchdown. Well, and they get the ball coming out of the half, so maybe he's thinking, you know, maybe we get a little momentum and it's twenty-eight to ten, and you just never know. But that's the Paul Chris way of thinking, and I did not think Pat Fitzgerald was that type of coach, and uh, so I'm, I was a little bit surprised that he went that way. It um, was an ode to Paul Christ. He deserved it. I mean, he does. He deserved to, to miss that field goal and he deserved to miss it that badly because it was just a poor decision uh, to go for it there. And again, that's my thinking as a guy sitting at home and that's your thinking as a guy sitting at home. He's probably got a different thought in his brain about what his team can be in the second half than, than what we saw, but it was a horrible, horrible decision and uh, he deserved what he got there. But yeah, the Kamoi Kamoi Latu play on fourth down, right? That was another fourth down play. Uh, made a great read and, and uh, picked the ball off. You had Nick Herbig. That was in Wisconsin territory as well. So, I mean, they, they made plays when they needed to for the most part outside of, like, the end of the game when you had a bunch of backups in. And and uh, who was it? Uh, was it uh, Jones at the goal line that just couldn't couldn't stop the big tight end? Yeah, uh, getting in. I believe so. Yeah. So, I mean, they, have, they now still have not shut out Northwestern despite how horrible Northwestern's been. Uh, they have not shut them out since 1983. That's an interesting stat. Huh. Especially given I just looked it up because I was I was gonna hammer that home if they were able to get it done. Especially <laughs> down there of all places. Yeah. Yeah. Uh another note I did have from the game. Can they keep Ryan Field forever? I like it's such a it's such a sleepy, horrible place. It's too big. But it that is a very fair point. It's, it's a very integral part, as I've said all off season. It's a very important part of my Big Ten West fall to watch the Badgers every other year go there. Now, if you're going to build this new European soccer stadium that you still won't fill up more than a quarter of the way full, I don't need that glitz and glam. It's Northwestern. I just felt it was really disingenuous of them when they put out the tweet 
and show the stadium with all that purple in it. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> where, where are the thousands right. of visiting fans in red or blue if it's Michigan or yellow and, and black if it's if it's Iowa? Like, where are all these fans that are still going to fill this place up? Because that's what happens at Northwestern. You can be Chicago's team, but when Chicago's other teams, when the teams that people live in Chicago and, and they actually root for come to town, they're going to root for those teams. Are you it's, playing? It's ridiculous. Are you, they, they are going to have some of the best facilities in the Big Ten. They already have one of the best practice facilities in the Big Ten, if not the best. They're going to have one of the best you know, stadiums, even though it's going to be a tiny little uh, stadiet. Uh, like that, that, it's not even like a stadium. Is that a real word? I don't. Know. You just make that up. I didn't. Oh, that's I, good. No, yeah, um, but like it's it's a little like it's gonna be a little guy, just just a little guy, of a stadium. What's the point? Um, if your te- if your team's not gonna be good, and the thing about this is, if if Wisconsin was in the dregs that Northwest Northwestern is right now, Paul Chris would have been fired like three years ago. Pat Fitzgerald is the best coach that they're ever going to get, and they're never going to let him go, despite what he's done these last two years. And really, I mean, twenty twenty was fine, but. Like it's just it's it's insane what th- their idea of a program and their idea of what's successful just is at a completely different level than the rest of the Big Ten. And plus, I think as time goes along, it's only going to get harder. Right. Like private schools getting transfers in there is a lot tougher than it is for yeah, for not. a public school. It's not actually at all. But when you're in Northwestern, Pu- and, private schools can do whatever they want. There's no there's in no, terms of credits transferring. I feel like it's a lot harder when it comes to Stanford. Private schools can do whatever they want. Yes, now, but my th- sense is the they the have thing. standards. Here's the thing. Will they do whatever they want? Right. In, in most cases, they will not. But you saw a guy like Brandon Joseph, who's an All-American as a freshman, transfer out to Notre Dame. It feels like one of those places where as time goes on, as they develop guys, I feel like they're going to lose more than they get in the portal Probably. when it comes to roster turnover. Where Wisconsin, I mean, Kamoe Latu is one example of it. I don't want to ask where this team is without him because they've struggled, but I mean, he has been a very important part of the defense because of injuries, and he's had some really, really big impacts. He so. has. He has. Uh, do, do we want to hit on these other quickly on these other injuries? Or uh, we, yeah. Yeah, right. let's do that. Then let's step then we, away afterwards. Okay, cool. Um, I'll just go through it real quickly. Uh, uh, obviously, Keanu Benton left on Saturday with the knee injury. It looked pretty serious in the moment. I think it, it looked really serious. It did. And he was he thought it was serious because he had never felt that kind of pain before. But the guy's knee hit the side of his knee. It numbed his knee. And he was he was pretty scared about it. But then uh, once it wore off, everything was fine. And uh, he expects to play this weekend. A quick note. He was unblockable on Saturday. Yes, yeah. And it was during the beginning of that game when Northwestern was still in it. They were, he would split two guys and get by him and they would just grab onto his arms yep. and they called nothing. No. It was crazy. Yeah. He had an insane first quarter. Uh, he was, yes. Um, and then the other uh, couple of injury, uh, I mean, we'll see where Cedric Dort is. It feels like that maybe not this week, but uh, we'll see. I mean, the, the fact that he was able to actually get up and, you know, put himself up in the cart and then was feeling pretty good afterwards is, is huge Two future uh, injury updates. Hunter Wohler. Everyone's, uh, you know, you talk about Kamoi Latu and how he's been able to step up. It's been in Hunter Wolder's place. Hunter Wolder getting closer to practicing. Jim Leonard thinks it may be a bye week, perhaps before or after, uh, in terms of him returning. The bye week coming up on the 31st, so at the end of the month here. And then there's uh, Chase Wolf, the backup quarterback. And Wisconsin only has two scholarship quarterbacks at this point that are And Braylon Allen. And Braylon Allen. But Chase Wolf uh, making some progress as well. He's going to be, it's going to be a bi-week evaluation. So like how he's doing week by week, 
going into it. Um, my understanding was it was always going to be like kind of like a six week, six to eight week thing, and uh, it's getting closer to that six weeks. But we'll see. I, I mean, if Graham Mertz goes down, it's Miles. It's the Miles Burkett show, and if Miles goes down. Yikes. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and they're also a wildcat. Not a wildcat. God, I might turn the TV off at that point. And there is Alex Smith who dressed for the game and I guess was available, quote unquote, but didn't play available yeah. except for an, but only an emergency situation, whatever that would have been. Yeah. It feels like he'll be ready uh, against Jaden Reed and the Michigan state passing attack. All right. It is Kenny and Heilprin. When we return the long awaited discussion about what happened on Saturday night in Champaign, Illinois. If you missed it, we'll tell you. If you were watching, revel with us in the beauty that game was. That's coming up next. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, welcome back in. It is Kenny and Heilprin. An interesting week six in the Big Ten. I also, Zach, uh, because we missed you last week, I gave an update on the picks. We need another one. Woof. It is one in in nine the past two weeks. We have a game going. I am now 13 and 21. A whopping. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. (laughs) Zero to do with you. It has everything to do with me. You are 14 and 20. One, uh, One win in your last 10. We will give more on Thursday. So the Big Ten West, I mentioned it, Illinois, Purdue, Nebraska, all tied at the top at two and one. Minnesota's one and one. Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Iowa are one and two. If I had to ask you where we stand today. Was Kirk Herbstreit right? What did he say? He said Nebraska at the beginning of the season, remember? Oh, yeah. Remember we we trashed them. We trashed them at the beginning of the year when they lost to uh, Northwestern. Like, and now... You could you could conceivably see it. Well, Nebraska beat Rutgers on Friday night, fourteen to thirteen, in an ugly one, a yep. comeback. Yep. They were in first place in Big Ten West for a day until the rest of the Probably teams the played. First time ever, which which is quite comical. <laughs> um, does does Wisconsin win the West? Where we stand today after what we saw on Saturday? I literally could see Wisconsin losing every single one of their final games, and I could see them winning all of them. No. That, and I could also see them winning all of them. Yeah. So I think it, could, it really could go. I want to see them back this up. I want to see them do it uh, in a second straight week. We haven't seen consistency from them all year. Can they do it for another week? Can they go on the road and, and beat a Michigan State team that's really, really struggling? Um, that was is going to be look is is probably desperate to find a win here because they're uh, I don't know are they will they get bowl eligible here <laughs> if Ooh. if they don't start winning some games considering some of the teams that they still have on their schedule. Um, I mean they still have to play Michigan. They still have to play Penn State. Illinois, um, they got to play il- at Illinois. <laughs> like there are the the opportunities for wins for them are are quickly quickly drying up. So they're going to be desperate. Um, but I, again, I could see it going either way. If I had to say right now, I say Wisconsin doesn't win it. Um, it if Moe Bream is healthy, I think Minnesota probably should be the favorite. I would side with that as well, especially this week with Tommy DeVito, Tommy DeVito unlikely to play in that in that Minnesota game. Minnesota is the favorite right now. Wisconsin is actually the second betting favorite, but the markets always do view the Badgers favorably. Speaking of Michigan State, they get absolutely steamrolled against the Buckeyes, 49-20. to C.J. Stroud threw more touchdowns than he had in completions. Uh, Michigan 31, Indiana 10, kind of unimpressive. Purdue 31, Maryland 29. This is where I give my apology. Purdue is winning more than I thought they would with the inability to run the football. And I was wrong about they can win the West that much. I will. I will submit if they do, 
a more extensive apology is warranted. Uh, Zach, we're running up against it, but Illinois 9, Iowa 6. <clears throat> Man. It was, a be- it was the worst game I've seen. It depends what you're into. It's, I mean, it's, I'm not into that. I, I'm not into, I'm not into um, ugly football porn. Like, I think that's kind of what you're into. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's I'm chaos. Not, I'm not judging you, but it's kind of weird. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, I'm going to read you a series in the game. Iowa punts from their own 16. The game is tied at this point. They recover a muff punt at the Illinois 35-yard line. The offense comes out. Three plays, negative six yards, punt. The defense comes out. The first play, they're out there. They force a fumble. They were covered at the five-yard line of Illinois. The offense comes back out. Four plays, negative four yards, field goal. A 15-play, negative 10-yard, 76-punt-yard field goal drive. There's nothing more beautiful than that. And somehow, as time goes on, Iowa just gets worse and worse at at playing offense. And yet Spencer Beatrice wasn't even the worst quarterback on the field that night. Yeah, Arthur Sikowski is is not it. Horrible. Not it. Um, Horrible. So DeVito is the ankle injury. We don't know how long he'll be out, but it's, it's, we talk, sorry. We talk about Illinois, you know, the top of the West right now. I mean, if Tommy DeVito misses weeks and they lose to Minnesota, and then you also look down the rest of their schedule, I believe uh, they still have to play Michigan uh, later on. I just... As long as he is out, I cannot see them winning. They play, yeah. They they do have to play Michigan at Michigan, but they there aren't a ton of other extremely extremely tough games on the schedule. A lot of them, a lot of it's Big Ten West, and uh, you know their crossover games were I think I think Rutgers, Michigan, and Indiana. Yeah, uh, it it will be interesting. It is lining up for a great another great weekend of Big Ten football. We have to step away. We're up against it. We will be back. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Kenny and Heilprin, couple seconds before we are out of here, Zach. We will be at Monk's Bar and Grill on Thursday talking about Wisconsin, Michigan State. The Badgers travel to East Lansing against seven and a half point favorites in that game. Can they get over 500? Can they make a bowl game? Can they win the West? Questions will be answered. We'll- the Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.